So tonight is April 8th, 2020. Somebody say 2020. 2020. That means that for roughly 1,987 years, we've been coming together and celebrating the triumph of the crucifixion. Yeah, that's, that's incredible, isn't it? You know, we could take the time to prove to you that Jesus Christ was crucified on a Wednesday and that he rose on the Sabbath day. But we're not going to because we've done it many times before. We could walk through the historic response to times such as these. We could tell you that as far back as Solomon's day in Second Chronicles, in chapter 7, that when there was plague or famine or sword, men and women of God chose to meet in situations exactly like this one, to lower themselves, to humble themselves and pray so that the Word of God would be exalted. But we're not going to do that tonight either. Tonight our topic is lifting up the Word of God. It is driven from our extraordinary pride in what the Spirit of God has accomplished in you, in this church. First John teaches us something so clear. The Word of God became whatever Jesus is, whatever Jesus was, all that Jesus ever will be is the embodiment of the Word of God. The Word of God became flesh. And when you have that perspective, John 12 takes on a whole other kind of meaning tonight. Turn with me to John 12 and let's pick up in verse 32. Are you happy to be in the house of God tonight? I can't tell you how it stirs my soul to know every church in the one association is meeting right now Doing exactly what we're doing. And the gates of hell will never prevail against a church like this. If you were in John 12, 32, say, lifting up the word. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. When the Word of God is lifted up, that Word will draw all men to itself for their purification, for their empowerment, for their purpose, for their perfection. That is the beauty of visiting the cross, where the Word of God is exalted even unto the daily death of the earthly, the terrestrial, the base, the demonic wisdom that has prevailed in this age and at this present time. Church, we want to say that we are proud of you. Your pastors, your elders are tremendously proud of you. In fact, Paul writing to the Thessalonians certainly could have been writing to every single one of you. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we'll start with verse 4. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good night. Say lifting up the word when you're there. 
Yeah. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. With the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Oh, man. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model. Oh, somebody say model. Model. I'm modeling it, y'all. Not a part-time model, a full-time model. The prettiest model on the street. (laughs) So you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You know, this reminds me of families in LCM. Families like Mario and Alicia Clement. Families like Steve and Joyce Thomas. Yeah. These families have been chosen by God. Welcomed the word of God with joy into their lives and have become a model of deep conviction for all believers. Come on, Steve. Show us a model pose. You can do it, brother. In full faith. Strike it. Oh, yeah. He's modeling it, y'all. That wasn't blue steel. That was heavenly steel. (laughs) Saints, how privileged are we to have these models in the house? See, governments haven't understood this. High officials haven't understood it as well. But you have been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. Come on, church. Think about Pilate. On the very day that we're commemorating today, he did not know or practice what has defined our very lives in this room. Let's all turn to John chapter 18, and we're going to begin at verse 37. Yell modeling it when you get there. John 18, 37. Don't act like you don't want to be a model. It says this. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Listen to this. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Come on, somebody say everyone. Everyone. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Politicians have never known what truth is. Never known. What is truth? See, Pilate didn't know the truth any more than our governmental leaders understand that which is essential. But you know the truth. And you, as LCM, you listen to the voice of your great shepherd. It shows in the lives of men and women in this place, like Ray and Lindsay Ludwigson. Yeah! Like Marlon and Lena Sosa. Yeah! Come on, Marlon! Marlon! Come on. Yeah, and right next to Marlon is Rob Barnett. They're, these are men who are modeling this. See, you've come to him and you've lifted him up. Others don't understand. See, Pilate heard. Pilate was warned. But Pilate did not turn around. Oh, but think about the people in this room. See, you've, you've heard. You've been warned. And you have sided with the truth, with the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Amen. Amen. How can I hear that? How can I think on that and my mind not be drawn immediately to John 17, 17? It causes me to think about saints just like you. 
When you get to John 17, 17, say, I'm there and I'm modeling it. Catch this truth. It's like a truth bomb about to go off in here. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. See, families like Leslie and Roma Spites. Families like Brandon and Stephanie and Elijah Fowler. They've been set apart from this world by truth. These families are not swayed by the media's powerful propaganda. They have not been compromised into conformity by CNN. The Word of God has set them apart. They know the truth. They exalt the truth. They exemplify the truth. And so do all of you in LCM. Hey, when we think of you, LCM, how can we not call to mind James chapter 3? I know it's what I was thinking about. That's what I got my mind on. Let's go to James chapter 3. And say, I'm modeling it whenever you get there. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. Some translations say demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Yeah, it is. It's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. LCM, you are a body of believers that understand the innate differences between worldly wisdom peddling fear, demeaning the divine, and fomenting feckless faith. I'm talking about families like Keith and Floor Phillips. Oh, yeah, that's true. Come on. Counselors in the house. Families like Ibrahim and Eve Zachary. Yeah. Come on, they have made it their habitual practice to turn to the only pure source of wisdom. Oh, they like it pure. Purified. The only flawless faith-producing source of wisdom in existence. They are men and women who feast on the abundance of heavenly wisdom flowing from God's house. They know what it is. That it is the almighty written word of God. That is heavenly wisdom. Church, you will never accept worldly wisdom because you have tasted of the heavenly wisdom. Descended on the page of your very Bible that's sitting right in front of you. Come on, lift up that written word of God that is the wisdom. Lift it up! Model it! Yeah! Come on, church, when we think of you, when we think of LCM, how can we not think of Psalm 19? Turn with us to Psalm 19. Woo! 19. Psalm 19 and verse 7. Say, model it when you get there. It says this in verse 7. 
The law of the Lord is perfect. Ooh, a perfect reviving, ten. Perfect in reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Oh, Come yeah. on, I start thinking about families like Daniel and Randy Smith, uh-huh. like Rick Uh-oh. and Susan Lawhon. Oh yeah, that have counted the word of God as perfect and trustworthy. That is why their souls are being revived and have been revived. Oh, this keeps getting better. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right. Giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant. They give light to the eyes. You know, this is why women like Gabrielle Brown, Megan Williams, and our little Miss Mandy Sheridan, they know the commands and they are radiant. That is why you will never see them without the light of God in their eyes and the joy of God radiating from their hearts. But yet, there's more. Mm. Verse 9. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. Come on, families like Tom and Martha Powell. Yeah, Powell! Assad, the Lion of God, and Kayla Robinson. Oh, my. These families refuse to fear what our fellow citizens fear. But instead, they only have one fear. One. The pure fear of the Lord, which makes them sure and altogether righteous. Come on now. Somebody give an amen in the house of God. We're muddling it, y'all. Continue on in verse 10. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Man, I think of families like Damien and Tamika Francois. Francois. I think of Carlos and Patricia Rueda. That value the corporate assembly more than gold. Their fellowship centered on the word of God is sweeter to them than honey from the comb. Their very souls have been warned. And their spirits are experiencing great reward in this house. Somebody say this house. This house. LCM, you are a body of believers that so highly values the wisdom of heaven revealed on the pages of your Bible that you could never be sinfully swayed into believing that you could be showing love to your neighbor by sequestering yourself in contradiction to the commands of God. Oh, come on. You know that's true, don't you? See, when we think about your faithful adherence to the commands of God and the way that you demonstrate love to your neighbor, how can we not think of the Torah of God? You know where we went immediately to Leviticus 19. Come on, get there and lift it up. Lift it up, brother. Show us. Lift it up. In Leviticus 19, verse 17. Do not hate your brother in your heart. (laughs) What is coming next? Rebuke your neighbor like you would rebuke Frank. No. That's also true. Rebuke your neighbor, frankly, yes, yes, so that you will not share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge 
or bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Hear it. Keep my decrees. Yeah. See, families like Ray and Ruby Pina. Families like Paul and Lynette Makowick. They know that they must keep the divine decrees and commands of the Creator in order to show love that is truly love as revealed in the Scriptures. They could never be deceived into deliberating over the deficits of their dear brothers. They're not going to do it. No, not going to do it. They know the Word and clearly state the Word in obedience to the commands that they themselves are living in and that's why they know how to love their neighbors. Yeah, they do. Saints, we're lifting up the Word tonight. LCM, when we think of your obedience to the written Word, when we contemplate your commitment to the commands of God, how can we not arrive at verses like Second John, verse 6. Oh, man. I mean, it's... Come on, that's good. That's, that's, right that's what Christy and Jennifer were thinking. I could see it. Oh, it's written on their radiant faces. Oh, light in those beautiful eyes. Have I told y'all lately what a sexy grandma that is on the front row? Oh, my. Traveling around the world, I'm carrying a trophy wife. Mm. Hey, are you in Second John? Lift up oh, your yeah. Bible. Exalt the Word of God. We're modeling it, y'all. And this is love. That we walk Woo! in obedience to His commands. As you have heard from the beginning, His command is that you walk in love. Speak what is love? To walk in His commands. What is love? To walk in His commands. How could it ever be loving to disobey the commands of God? It's not, oh, no. it's not. That's not who you are. You exalt the word of God. Yeah. Pastors, I see a church full of those who are walking in his commands. Amen. I see it too. Whoa. In fact, in fact, speaking of a few of them, I think of families like David and Jennifer Hall. Oh, my. Yeah, walking in those commands. Mm. Andreas and Johanna Gonzalez. You guys are walking in God's commands. These are not of those that look to Fox News to proliferate the pop propaganda that promises the lie that loving your neighbor is the same as avoiding your neighbor. Six feet. Six, six, feet. Feet. six feet. Six feet. Six feet. Six, six feet. Spiritual distancing. <laughs> That's not who you are. No. LCM, when we think of your obedience to the commands of the Father, when our thoughts expound on the exacting nature to which you embody the truth of Jesus Christ, how can we not be drawn to John chapter 14? Oh, man. John yeah. chapter 14. John 14. Come on now. You guys, you guys love the word so much, you probably already know it even before we read it, but we're going to go ahead and read it to get it on camera for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. John 14, verse 28. Come on, say, lift him up. Lift, it up. lift him up. You heard me say, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens. Come on now. 
Can somebody say before? Before. Before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. See, I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. <laughs> Guess what, church? He has no hold on Jesus. Oh, yeah. Amen. But the world must learn that I love the Father. And here is the quote of the day. And do exactly. Somebody say exactly. 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 I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now. Let us leave. See, Jesus Christ is the perfect model of the exacting nature of the Word of God displayed in obedience. Come on, and some men in this room like Andrew Hayes. Oh, Hayes! Whoa. Like Andrew Tisdale. Tisdale! Yeah. Like Michael Hall. Whoa! Spites. And Mr. Brenton Vincent. See, these are fine examples of this kind of obedience. They cannot be conformed to the carnal compromises accompanying our time. See, they know that the Word of God lifted in their lives is what draws men to itself. Oh, yeah. See, LCM, when we think of your great love for the Word of God, when we think of the difficult decisions that the divine Word makes for you, how can we not be directed to Judges chapter 3? We're going to read this one in the Eric Stevens version, y'all. ESV. ESV coming to you live and in power. <laughs> lift it up. Are y'all there? Are you modeling it? Are you lifting it up? Yes. And Ehud made for himself a sword with a singular edge. No. 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 And Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges. A cubit in length, and he bounded on his right thigh under his clothes. And he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. I don't know why I find such joy in emphasizing that. But I do. And when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. But he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I've got a secret message for you, O king. And he commanded silence. And all his attendants went out from his presence. And Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat, and Ehud reached with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh, and thrust it into his jelly belly. <laughs> and the hilt also went in after the blade. And the fat closed over the blade, for he did not pull out the sword out of his belly. And the dung... And the dung, and the dung came out. This church has learned to love the double-edged sword of the Word of God. Because we hate the excesses of the Eglon of our fleshly thinking. We invite 
the divine double-edged sword to penetrate our hearts all the way to the hilt. Because the Word of God is lifted in this way in your lives. It has driven out the dung of demonic thinking right out of your hearts. How can we not think of families in this very room like Paul and Grace Rosales? How can we not think of families in this room like J.J. and Natalie Moloch? Oh, man. The Word of God has divided soul from spirit. It has driven the dung of demonic thinking right out of their lives. These families have been divinely directed. They are in fact walking in divine dimensions because they have lifted up the Word of God and become models to the rest of the world. Yeah, they have. Church, you are a body that loves the Word of God. A body that lifts the Word of God to its proper preeminence. That has permeated your soul and your environment. It has. How can we not be drawn to passages like Hebrews 4.12? When we think of you. Man, it's like there's a connection between Judges 3 and Hebrews 4.12. I think the writer of Hebrews loved the Word of God. Oh, he did. Four. You guys there? Oh, you're going to want to get there. This is you, baby. This is you. You modeling this. Lift it up. Come on. Here we go. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Church, you know that the human heart is like Eglon. Mm. Like Nabal. Like Doeg. Ladies, even like Vashti. And that is why we have so many families, such as Cody and Wendy Stevens. Yeah, we do. Nolan and Tara Hewitt. Yeah. These families who totally rely on God's word to judge the thoughts and attitudes of their hearts. These are not people who look to the word like a lawyer looks to the law in order to justify his position and prove his case. These are people that look to the word to tell them how to think, how to feel, how to display the divine as they pierce their own souls in obedience to the commands of the creator. Oh, wow. Come on, church. We want to let you know that we are so proud of you. Have we said that? Because we're proud of you. Paul, we're proud of you. Hey, boy. That was nice. My God, it's being reciprocated. It's incredible. I'm proud of you and you and you. Church, we really are so proud of you. See, all generations call Mary blessed. And surely your generations will call you blessed. How can our thoughts not drift to the second chapter of Luke? When we think about the model yeah. that you have become in exalting the Word of God. Go with us to Amen. Luke chapter 2. When you get there, lift it up. Lift it up. Woo! Look at you models. Come on. Luke chapter 2 in verse 33. Man, how precious the Word of God is. Listen to what it says here. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. See, Ehud's sword, the double-edged sword of the Word of God revealed in Hebrews 4 has been piercing the soul of the saints in here for many years now. Yeah, it has. Yep. See, I look back and I see on the back row there families like Caleb and Susanna Brown. Woo! Chris and Joy Reyesora. Oh, yeah. Gabriel and Carolyn Arias. And that's a powerful combination. See, these families are producing children that will be signs spoken against. Yeah. They will be instruments, the instruments of righteousness that drive the demonic dung out of the hearts of everyone in this nation. Yes! That causes us to think further about you, church. See, when we consider the beautiful bride of Christ in this room, how can we not think of passages like Revelation 19? Oh, man. Oh, this... This is the best. This is the best. This is the best. I like this one. Lift it up, saints. In Revelation, the 19th chapter, you know where we're going. Because you're modeling it. This is what you're lifting up in your life. You know where we're landing. It's the sixth verse. Then I heard a sound. Ah, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude. My God, that sounds like an assembly. That, that sounds like... This is not a teleconference. This sounds like an assembly! Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude. Like the roar of rushing waters and loud peals of thunder. Shouting what they shout, church! What they shout, church! I sincerely hope the governor of Illinois can hear us tonight. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. Oh yeah. Fine linen. Fine. Fine linen. Fine linen for a fine girl. I'm sorry, I got lost there for a minute. (laughs) Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Have you ever seen families like Gabriel and Olivia Stevens? Come on! Families like Nick and Sam Arizina? Come on! Families who have so exalted the Word of God in their daily actions that they are literally dressed in them. These are people who have made themselves ready. They could not be tricked into quarantine from the commission of Christ. Uh, You know what, pastors? When I look out at this church, I don't see models walking down a catwalk of carnality. No. I see models walking down the highway of holiness. Come on, Church, Reminds when we me of a song I heard. 
Baby got book. Ba- yeah. NIV. Me is so letters. holy. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. Me so holy. <laughs> it's got big red letters. It does. It does. I'm looking at a group of just holy people. See, church, when we look at you, we think about lifting up the word and how it has preserved your very lives. How can we not lift up Psalm 119? Oh, come on now. Yeah. Talk about lifting up the word. Man, this is written across the fabric of your lives. Man, it's written into that fine linen. Mm. Girl got her new dress on. Lift it up. Psalm 119, verse 25. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve. Everybody say preserve. Preserve. Preserve my life according to your word. word. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. How could we ever read this without thinking of Ohad Shaul? The battle Jew. Come on. Battle Jew. I like to call him El Huapo. <laughs> it's the most handsome Jew in our church. He made me promise not to say it, but I didn't. Maybe we could call him El Huapostin. Yeah. It works. That works. It, it works. works. Clear. Clear. It, it's decided. I like it. In addition to Ohad, how can we not think of Daniel Cho? Come on, man. Josephus Gancho Cho. Show me the way over there. You know what? With these guys, we have all witnessed how exalting the enduring word of God has lifted their lives up from the dust. Amen. They continually recount the word as the answer to all their questions. And they display the divine decrees in their daily lives. The word of God has preserved their lives and the word of God has preserved your lives as well. Come on, church. Let's consider verse 37 as well. It says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Amen. Church, how could we ever read this without thinking about, come on, Pat and Nick Rosales. Yeah! How can we read this without thinking about Micaiah Spites? Come on, Micaiah! See, we have all witnessed the sword that circumcised the worthless things away yeah. from their very eyes. Come on. Has it not preserved their lives according to God's word? Has it not preserved your lives according to the word of God? Yes. Church, we got to tell you again, we are so proud of you here in this Amen. church. Are you still lifting up Psalm 119? Yes. Everywhere we look in it, we see the Christ and we see his body, which is you. Amen. Land on verse 40. Psalm 119 and verse 40. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. Man, how could we ever read this without thinking of Timothy Carter and Spencer McLean? Yeah, yeah. We have all witnessed these men long for the word more than the love and loyalty of those who should stand with them but do not. The word has preserved these men's lives. Yes. The word has preserved your lives as well. Amen. Church, we are proud of you. Amen. Let's look at verse 50, also in Psalm 119. My comfort and suffering is this. 
Your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me without restraint, but I do not turn from your law. Amen. How could we ever read this without thinking of Justin and Jenny Butler? Come on! Abimbola and Jessica Deramola. Oh my goodness! These families who have considered their present sufferings worth nothing when compared to the all-surpassing glory revealed in the Word of God. They, like you, have laid aside lying lips and clung to the lavish truth presented in the Word that preserves all of our lives. Come on, saints, lift it up. Lift up the Word of God. It's what preserves our lives. Church, continue on in Psalm 119. Let's consider verse 88. It says, Preserve my life according to your love, and I will obey the statutes of your mouth. How could we ever read this without thinking of David Bonham? Bonnie! Nia Sheridan. Miranda Smith. Miss Smith. Oh, and even Miss Patricia Perdome. Timal. Come on. Timal in the house. See, all of these moved here in obedience to the statutes from God's mouth. And they now live in the love of God that preserves their very lives. Church, obeying the word of God preserves their lives and it preserves yours as well. Church, we are proud of you here in this place. See, you've not bought into the idea, stay at home saves lives. That's devilish propaganda. Keeping the word of God preserves lives. Yes. Let's land on verse 93 as we continue to think about you. Yeah. I will never forget your precepts. Somebody say, no, no, not never. No, no, not never. Little lamb before time, you know. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. That's right. How could we ever read this without thinking of our mighty elders who have decades long devotion to these divine precepts and have perpetually pointed to these precious truths? Mm. This has preserved their lives. And ours as well, if we're honest. Absolutely. Church, we are so proud of you for exalting the Word of God without ever forgetting it, even for one media moment, Mm. one propaganda period, or even one quarantine quarter of an hour. We don't do it. The Word of God is what sustains our lives. We could go on like this forever. I think you can imagine that. But because you've become a model of what exalting the Word of God does in drawing all men back to the Word, we've given you six scriptures from Psalm 119 alone. And we could, we could stop right there. But we're not. When speaking of the ways of the Word of God that has preserved our lives, we kind of thought that it was best To give you a perfect total of seven. Amen. Do you want seven? There's 12 in Psalm 119 alone, but you get seven tonight. You can come back Sunday because there's more. Perfectly get there to verse 159. Mm. Lift it up. 
See how I love your precepts. Mm, I see it. Here it comes. Preserve my life. Oh, Lord, according to your love. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. They can't be quarantined. No, not at all. While we think of every one of you in the, in the church, and we don't want to leave anyone out, we couldn't help but think of the Lentons. Oh, Lentons. Has not the word of God given to little Miss Linton something that is proven true, righteous, and eternal? Mm. Hey, Lou, say it's righteous. Yeah, look at your husband. Say it's righteous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Righteous, man. That kind of love is eternal. Come on. These two came here single. And they now sit before us united. Debak! I'm talking super glued, y'all! Hey, separate that. <laughs> they came here without children. And now are about to give birth to the first of many. Many. They're modeling it. <laughs> Who could deny the loving precepts that have preserved their lives according to the true word of God? Come on, LCM. You have lifted the word of God to its proper place of preeminence, prominence, and position in your lives. See, the word has drawn you. The word has preserved you. The word has sustained you. See, tonight, as we celebrate Passover... Tonight, as we celebrate communion, tonight, as we praise the preservation of the life that comes from the word of God, we want to recognize that we are living in Hezekiah's Passover and present our prayer in the presence of the Lord, just as he did. Let's all turn to second Chronicles chapter 29. And when you get there, find verse nine, yo, lift it up. Second Chronicles 29.9. As you're preparing to hear your pastor expound upon this, understand that Hezekiah is living in roughly 700 B.C. It has been between three and four hundred years since Passover was done well, done rightly. And that is because the people did not lift up the word of God. And Hezekiah wanted to change the situation. Look at verse 9. It says this. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword. And why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord. The God of Israel. So that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons. Do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him and serve Him. To minister before Him and to burn incense. Come on, that man changed the situation for a nation. We are so proud of this church. You are modeling the Word of God. You live, eat, breathe, and walk in the Word of God. The word of God for you is not a footnote to your predetermined point. 
The word for you determines how you feel. It determines what you do. It determines the outcome before you know you're in the situation. Doesn't it feel good to hear that? When your name was called, did you carefully assess the praise that you received? Was it better than your actual performance? Then you know what must be offered on this altar in obedience to God's word so that you can crucify your flesh and be raised into the life that Christ has destined you for. When you listened to the divine standards displayed in God's word as we spoke them to you, did your inmost thoughts reveal that you might not be as pristine as we presented you? Then you know what must be offered at this altar in obedience to God's word so that you can crucify your Eglon-like flesh pierce it through with Ehud's sword and be raised to the life that Christ has destined you. When you assembled during these last 22 days of trying times, if you're sitting there and you know that you would not have done it without your brother sitting around you leading the way, Well, then you know what must be offered at this altar in obedience to God's word so that you can crucify your flesh and be raised as Christ destined you to be. Hebrews 12 indicates for us that it is with gratefulness or the joy that is set before you that you can come to the crucifixion at this altar. So that you can scorn the shame of sinful thinking and take your place as a son of God as we have described you and know that you are. Amen. Church, we're proud of you because we know that you will continue to do the very thing that has preserved your life up to this point. Die to your sinful nature. So that the life of Christ might be revealed in your obedience to the word of God. So look, as we do this together, others will see the model and we will have Hezekiah's Passover results. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 29 and verse 34. I'm so happy that we have you thinking. That was our intention. We love you. We are so proud of you. But we are more vulnerable in our victories than we are when we've been defeated. And this church is experiencing victory. Now is the time to cut it all away. Now is the time to get rid of every bit of Eglon's excessive flesh that is hiding within the fatness of our lives. It's time. Amen. And you're going to because Christ has destined you to feel the praise that you did in this room. It's what's waiting on the other side of your trip 
to a communion altar, a crucifixion of the flesh. Amen. Verse 34. The priests, however, were too few to skin all the burnt offerings. So their kinsmen, the Levites, helped them until the task was finished and until other priests had been consecrated. For the Levites had been more conscientious in consecrating themselves than the priests had been. There were burnt offerings in abundance together with the fat of the fellowship offerings and the drink offerings that accompanied the burnt offerings. So the service of the temple of the Lord was reestablished. Do you want to see the life that is here reestablished in the churches around us? Yes. Yes. The better we repent, the more boldly we cut away our flesh, the more Levites and priests will see what is happening and they will flock to it. That's that is what the Lord has laid before us. Church in Hezekiah's time, people were suffering. They were suffering from a famine. But it was a famine of God's word. See, much like our time. But Amos said that this would happen. In Amos chapter 8 and verse 11, it says this as I read it to you. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord. When I will send a famine throughout the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water. But a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. See, people don't know what to do. Because the word of God has not been lifted up. It has not been exalted in their own life. See, but as we lift the word of God, men and women will be drawn to the example that sets in us. And we will find ourselves living in Psalm 36. Do you want to live in Psalm 36? I want to read to you the feast that God is putting before you. It's Psalm 36 in verse 8. They... They is you here. They, LCM, will feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. You have a feast of the word of God set before you in this place. And that's why you have responded as well as you have responded. Only you know where you're not responding well. We told you how we see you. But the spirit of holiness will rush into this room as we worship. And you will know what needs to be adjusted for it to be 100% true. We're about to go back into worship. Where there will be time for you to die to performance that does not live up to your praise. Where there will be time for you to crucify your inmost thoughts that you know are not as pristine as we presented them. Where there will be time for you to crucify what you know you wouldn't have done if the brothers on your left and right didn't compel you to do it. We're going to come to this altar tonight in gratefulness and joy for the corporate assembly that has caused you to be victorious. And we're going to repent as sons of God that we might truly live up to the praise that His Word has lavished 
upon us. Would you stand to your feet? If Jesus Christ was killed around the year 33, in the great triumph of a man who was obedient to the Word of God at all costs, that means that 1,987 years ago, something happened on a Wednesday that so exalted the Word of God, it's affecting your life right now. What you could never know is the way that you live in obedience to God's Word, crucifying your flesh, being pierced with the Word so that the dung of demonic thinking is driven out of you. You have no idea how far that will go through your generations. But it will. The Lord maintains His love for a thousand generations. The more seriously you take the daily crucifixion of your flesh, the more powerful the resurrection of Jesus Christ will work in your life, resurrecting you to everything that we already know you to be. This is that opportunity. Father, we're asking right now, in the name of Jesus, that before we move forward in worship, before we do any other thing, Lord, that we could come to the foot of your cross and be pierced with the Word of God that cuts away what does not belong, that crucifies the life that we refuse to continue, that we might walk away from this, joined with You in the power of a resurrected life. Lord, we commit to You this time, and we ask Your Spirit of holiness to rush in here and do what only You can do. Lord, we place ourselves on your operating table now.